Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Traxler and Carolyn Ford to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity. I'm Carolyn Ford, joined by my co-host, Eric Trexler. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Carolyn. I see you're still at the beach. I am. Nice. So today we have Sean Kelly, Executive Vice President of Operations at Unisant. He's the former Chief Information Security Officer for the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Sean has over 24 years of health IT and cybersecurity experience in the federal and private sector. And he's also the host of CyberChat, which is a monthly podcast discussing cyber topics and challenges impacting the federal community. He joins us today to talk about cybersecurity and healthcare during COVID-19 specifically, and specifically to discuss how secure a vaccine is. Welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity, Sean. Hey, thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Hey, Sean, weren't you also, you were also at a VA for quite a while, right? I was. I was there for about four years. I was a deputy CIO when I left um, the VA over the insurance branch. So and when I was over the National Capital Region, uh, research arm of the VA fell under me. So I have some familiarity with this topic as well. Yeah, you know this space. Just a little bit. Re- retired from Navy Medicine as well. So my most of my career has been in healthcare. I, I was just going to say, This weekend, I was talking to my mom about how close we are to a COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, we have several companies that are in phase three, which means they're testing on people. Moderna. Moderna. There we go. Yeah, they just started today, in fact. And, you know, I told my mom that the companies developing this are being targeted by hackers. And she was surprised. She said, why would anybody want to steal it or compromise it being developed quickly because won't, isn't it for the good of all? So I would, I would love for you to address that question, Sean. Yeah. So Sean, before you even get to it, let me, let me point out on May 13th, the FBI released a uh, press release, um, you know, looking at the uh, people's Republic of China affiliated cyber actors and non-traditional collectors have been observed attempting to identify and illicitly obtain valuable intellectual property and public health data related to vaccines treatments and testing from networks and personnel affiliated with COVID-19 related research. The potential theft of this information jeopardizes the delivery of secure, effective, and efficient treatment options right from the FBI and DHS. Yeah. I mean, so that, that kind of tells you right there, right? So this, you, let's approach this from an outside and then bring it in, right? So from an external source outside the country, um, COVID is disruptive. Right. It's 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 wreaking havoc on the economy is wreaking havoc on people's lives. Um, So there is a lot of justification why people would want to not um, let the United States get this solved, because there is some confusion and disruption that's happening within our society, which you could go in a million different directions on how that would benefit a foreign actor, um, a state state run foreign actor. Um, We just had Houston, whatever is going on in Houston at the uh, Chinese consulate and they were asked to leave and and shut down. I don't know if that's related or not, but we're seeing a lot of activity. When you get into the borders of the United States, you have companies. This is a billion, I mean, 
whoever discovers this, this is going to probably be a billion dollars, you know, at least in in revenue that's going to go to this company and packaging it and distributing it and treating. And there's a lot of thought that this could be like the new flu. So every year we'll have to have a vaccine. And just think if you're the first one, you know, you're, you're going to be in a great financial position. You know, and, and those are probably the really the, the big two is whether you're outside the United States or inside, you're, you're selling it. But also, too, there's just people that will want to have that IP because of what it will represent. No, I, I agree with you. I, I see it as economic advantage. I mean, China's already getting their economy back in order. You know, they were able to, as All an right. authoritarian, authoritarian state, you know, shut down and do a for all you know all the reports we can see a decent job of marshalling covid you know i don't i don't know that i necessarily believe their numbers but i think they've done a good job and you see it in the productivity side no absolutely and and no matter what we're talking about the economy whether we're talking about ip instilling to be the first company out or where you're a state-run actor doing this is all about the economy this is all about this disruption and so because they are the society they are they were able to get a control on it as quickly as possible and, and move forward. And so, yeah, they're in the driver's position, but there's so many other things going on in this world that are more important to them. So the quicker they can be in front of those, the better. Yeah. So they, you know, long-term here, Carolyn, as you, as you talk to your mom, I think they're trying to gain economic advantage mm-hmm. over everybody else in the world. Right. Right. That's really right. their intention. If, 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 if they can advance their research so that they don't have to buy, which is cost, and they can mm-hmm. save, you know, treat their people faster. That saves lives, but it also, from an economic perspective, okay. is a ton. The other thing, right. if, you, if you read the FBI report, you know, it, it talks about jeopardizing the delivery of secure, effective, and efficient treatment options. One of the things we have to worry about in cyber is always sabotage. Okay. You think about it from an economic advantage perspective, and I, I'm, I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm not basing this on any reports I have, but imagine if you can steal the code, but you can also change, modify, you know, insert something in right. that puts one of the other nation right. states out there at a disadvantage. Yeah. And if, if China were to get the vaccine first, would we take it from them? Would we trust that? Well, it, it depends. We just enter. We're entering. I don't know what the numbers are today, but we had over a thousand deaths the last three days that I understood in in there. And so, um, you know, there there's a lot of conspiracy theories. You could we could go in a million different directions. But at the end of the day, when we're losing that that level of lives every day, we have this level of infections that we've been having. Um, you know, I I would imagine that our folks will put it through some kind of testing, but also think about the leverage that the country that comes out with this will have on other countries in different negotiations. There, there's right. just so much to this right now. I don't know in my lifetime have I ever seen anything like this. So I think we're all kind of in uncharted territories. And I think that this is kind of, we were talking about quantum computing was the race um, a year ago. Uh, now I think the race is to this pandemic vaccine. Certainly the near term race. Right. Oh, great. Oh, great. Well, part of getting to the vaccine and just getting this pandemic under control, privacy laws have, shall we say, slipped a little bit? Relaxed, um, definitely relaxed. Yeah. So what, it, I mean, I guess let's talk about that for a minute. What does that mean okay. now and, and in the future? Well, a couple of things. I, I, I said a couple of years ago that 
privacy um, fight is kind of out the window, right? What everybody wants to know about us, they got, right? We've, for the convenience, a lot of us, many of us, most of us, um, you pick the adjective, um, have allowed our innate privacy to go by the wayside. And I think by the time a lot of Americans realize that it'll be too late because pretty much what they want to know about us, they know. Um, but HHS has recently relaxed privacy regulations to enable telemedicine and telehealth initiatives um, because they're just at capacity. Um, you know, and so that has also introduced great risk because a lot of organizations weren't ready for that. They weren't ready to expand their telehealth and telemedicine um, posture the way they are. So, you know, the fear is now that people are kind of just plugging things in to get it out there and, and help people be safe and, and healthy. Um, but the security ramifications of this are going to be great coming down the road. Yeah, because not only is it more a doctor more accessible, but now they're also the data is more accessible too. No, no, you you said it. You, you, they could hijack the calendar. They could hijack anything associated with that visit because if they didn't lock it down correctly. Yeah, it was. You know, I used to go to my doctor, Caroline, and he would write everything down on a clipboard chart. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, and I I didn't go very often, but he would have somebody in there typing on a laptop while I was, he was asking me questions about my knee or whatever it may have been, but he was still writing it down. Mm -hmm. Now I imagine I haven't been to the doctor since COVID's began, but I imagine everything's online. Everything's accessible, right? They're not writing it on paper anymore. Well, I I feel like it was all online even before COVID. I mean, my doctor types into the computer. There's definitely been a movement with HHS incentives to move everybody towards electronic healthcare record. And, and being able to exchange that data electronically. Um, we, we've been moving in that direction. I think the part that we're seeing during COVID is there has been a big push to do a lot of care remotely over video, over telephone, over teleconsults. And so there has been a big amount of or large volume of patients that are no longer going to the facility, but can actually see their doctor right like we're talking right now. So this is going to sound really naive, but why would anybody be interested in my doctor visit? Like, why would I be worried about that? Well, I think for you, what we could do is it can add on. So, you know, social security number in the dark web has so much value. A date of birth has so much value. But the more that I know about you, the bigger I can make a profile and and the bigger that I can go for what I'm trying to go for um, financial advantages to take advantage of that data. Um, you know, also fraud, you know, claims and, and putting in claims under your name. Um, the more that you can build up that profile, the more value. Healthcare records were already valuable before this, the COVID. You know, mm-hmm. they were already probably more valuable than anybody's social security number at this point. Well, and think about it, you know, from a COVID perspective, there's a lot of money out there and there aren't a lot of controls around it right now. So if somebody can steal enough data to impersonate a large group of people, they can go after all that money that the government is handing out at this point that isn't as is isn't as uh, well maintained or or marshaled as it should be. Additionally, if you are somebody in a place of interest, they can gather information about you, as Sean mentioned, social security numbers, all kinds of information that allows them to hack your password or impersonate you with IT to get into the organization. If you work for Pfizer. You may be a key research scientist and they want that information. Mm-hmm. There's now another alternate path or, or an additional path to gain information to get into the business. Right. A lot of good reasons. The other thing is you can, you can study a society. If, if you can hack enough people, 
you you actually have a, a a generalized view of what's happening medically in the country in certain areas of the country. Okay. So I just read an article in the Washington Post, and it actually said that stealing vaccine research doesn't necessarily directly violate the rules of the road. What does that mean? How does it not violate the rules of the road? President Trump loosened the restrictions on what we can do in cyber. So the report just allowed the CIA the ability to do a lot more. They don't have to go to the president necessarily to do a cyber attack. So the Washington Post said because of that, that stealing vaccine research isn't necessarily violating, like I said, the rules of the road. Well, I haven't read the article and I don't want to touch this one. So, Sean, I'll hand this over to you. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say it's intellectual property. Right. So I think the same rules that that represent intellectual property and companies interest would be governed here. Right. And so at the end of the day, um, it goes back down to, you know, I'm not a national security person, but I am someone who would be helping companies secure their IP. And when we get down to IP, um, as we mentioned in the first question, this is worth billions. The, you know, if I'm able to steal your research and look at your research and, and compare it to what's going on mine and, and figure out what the disconnect is, what I'm doing or what testing you're doing to fast track this, um, again, everyone's racing towards this. Everybody wants to be the one, you know, also too, to be the country that came up with the cure for COVID or at least a vaccine that can protect people. Um, you know, some, some, some articles that I've read said some of the vaccine trials have said that the immuniz- the immuni- you know, the, the, the immunization immune system, yeah the immune system has responded eight times than if someone has been exposed by themselves they only get it twofold and so just think about that so I, I think it should fall onto the IP rules and companies should be able to address that. And, you know, and again, we've heard many, many times accusations that China is stealing IP has been for years, decades. And so I feel like this just falls back in there. So Sean, you were, you were, you know, a CISO, you, you, you have the CIO background. What would you worry about here? I mean, what would your advice be to these organizations, whether governmental agencies like NHS um, VA, where I know you have the background, the the military itself, or private agent, private organizations like Pfizer, Moderna, doctors' offices. What do you recommend? Uh, yeah, well, the first is data, right? Where can I? The data that is being used in this research and and to develop this vaccine is is gold, if not diamonds, right? So, how do I protect that data first and foremost? How do I protect the folks that are working on it in the environment that they're working in first and foremost? That would be how do I deal with it at the data level? How do I deal with it at the system level? How do I deal with it at the, the peripheral level um, and around the perimeter to make sure that they're 100% secure, right? And, and active and robust monitoring so that if someone is knocking on the door, trying to feel the way around that I'm detecting them early um, and making sure that they don't get in and we can adjust our security posture as we do. Uh, and then the next thing is looking at the overall, you know, from a healthcare institution, and I want to expand my services, making sure we, we talk about this all the time didactically, but how do we make sure the security is in the room? You know, I want to expand telehealth. My ER is overrun. My ICU is overrun. And I got a million one of our patients in our in our IPO. Um, I'm sorry, a healthcare organization, not IPO, but a healthcare organization that are calling their doctor and we just don't have the bandwidth. So we're going to do this telemedicine 
to increase our bandwidth. Well, okay, great. But you're now opening and opening into your network. How can we do that in the short and long term? You know, as both of y'all mentioned earlier, is we really are dealing with the today problems and making sure those today problems don't haunt us, you know, three, six, 12, 18 months down the road. Yeah, tomorrow. So the, the other thing I, you know, when you, when you look at the practitioners, whether they're doctors and nurses or scientists, I, I suspect they're all doing, you know, rushing 100% effort on saving patient lives, treatment plans, or research. They're not thinking cybersecurity at all. So you'd have to come at it. How, how do I minimally impact them and their ability to do their jobs while maximi- maximizing the protection for them? Is that fair? It, it is fair. It, it, well, first thing, I don't think they think about it every day anyways, right? There, There's always a constant struggle with the healthcare providers and the cybersecurity and the IT folks just trying to do things. And I think through IT, the CIO is a little bit more mature than the CISOs, but they've learned to be business partners. Okay, how do we help them? And so I think that you have to take the relationships that are already, hopefully already been cemented and saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to make you secure. But a lot of our business practitioners really do look at security as a nuance, you know, or a nuisance. And and so we've got to find ways to protect them without them really knowing. Right. And I think, Eric, I think you bring up a great point. I think not only in the healthcare institution, everybody's just kind of relaxed. There's so much information coming out and there's so much remote touching of people, whether it's text messages, emails. Um, what we're really seeing is really sophisticated um, attacks from, you know, phishing. Phishing has come a long way and it's really robust right now. Um, I got an email the other day that I read it the first time and I literally thought this was a real email. And then when someone said, no, I don't think so. You know, that just, that doesn't make sense. They weren't questioning the email. They were just making the scenario. didn't make sense. I went back and I really examined the email really strongly. And it was, it was complete hoax. But my first look at that, I mean, they, they had particulars, they had dates, they had phone numbers, they had people. This isn't just a blind phishing attack. This is very coordinated and it's very tailored. That, that email was tailored to me. Now think about you have a doctor who just worked, um, you know, a 36, uh, a 24 hour shift in the ER, exhausted, mentally drained, emotionally distressed. And they decide to check their emails real quick. And they get an email that, that again, I'm fresh and I'm looking at it. It look real. They go and click, they click the link. Well, and you have a cyber background too. Agreed. All right. Yeah, and so, Go ahead. Go ahead, Carolyn. Well, well you just made a really good point. It just, I, it was an aha moment for me. There's two different missions here. The practitioners, they're focused on taking care of the patients, right? Exactly. And, and the, the security does, it's a nuisance. It gets in their way. It, it sometimes prevents them from taking care of their patients. Okay. That, is, that is not their objective. And then we have the cybersecurity people that want to keep it safe. And I loved what you said. We've got to make it easy. We've got to do it for them. It, it has to be almost invisible. They have to be active participants because, you know, look, we can't protect every piece of data out there. Um, The stakeholders have to be involved. But at the same time, we've got to make it easy for them. And and if it doesn't, you start getting into conversations with healthcare providers that say, well, you're going to cost people their lives if you do this. We'll we'll reduce capabilities, la, 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 la. And when you're a security provider, um, the CISO, the CIO or anybody, you're never going to win when you get into that level of conversation. You've got to win them and get the trust way ahead of time. It goes back to the default mission always trumps security 
It, it does. Well, and I'm going to I'm going to bring us to a close on that. Just that there's our call to action as cybersecurity professionals to make it invisible and easy for our our practitioners that are out there saving lives. We, we need to enable them. We need to understand them and then enable Carolyn. Absolutely. In an yeah. easy fashion, as Sean says. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, Sean. Absolutely. And what do you think thanks. your mom will say, Carolyn? I, I think she will have a better understanding after listening to this. So I do. So thanks to all of our listeners. You can get information about the COVID-19 vaccine and links to Sean's podcast on our show notes. Until next week, be kind to others, wear a mask, be kind to yourself, run your updates. Thanks, Sean and Carolyn. Hey, thank you both. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 